Luke 11, first verse. Now it came to pass, he was praying on a certain place. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. know with the new year comes new resolutions and I want to ask you how's your prayer life how's your prayer life if you thought about resolving to trust in God more in 2021 than you did in 2020 taking everything to him in prayer occasionally I have people come to me and will visit about their faith and about the fact that God seems far away in a lot of instances and one of the first questions I usually ask is how's your prayer life you see, there are people, well, consider just for a moment that you have a relative, a relative you never see, and a relative that lives maybe three or 400 miles away from you. You're not able to see them very often, right? And you seldom talk to that relative, and you don't really know what's going on in their life. They don't really know what's going on in your life. Maybe they don't have social media. Maybe they're not able to keep up with you. If something were to happen to that relative, consider how you would feel. You see, the nearness of a person and the more relationship, the more we understand that person and the more we feel when something happens to that person. Folks, I don't know why we treat God the same way. If God feels distant to us, if God feels like he's far away and that he's not a part of our daily lives, the question I have to ask is, what part have I made in him in my daily life? What have I done to foster that relationship and that, that nurturing of trust that, that God so wants to have? You see, God is not, as some agnostics have thought, a uh, God who's just wound up the world and then pushed it out to sea and, and he's like a divine watchmaker where he doesn't necessarily have anything to do with our daily lives. The truth is that God wants to share every single day with us and he wants to know what's going on in your life and what's going on in my life. He wants us to share with him and to trust in him and to tell him what's going on with us. So I ask again, how's your prayer life going into 2021? This lesson this evening is simple because I'm just going to give you, as it says on the screen behind me, six tools to help improve your prayer life. I appreciate what one man has said about prayer uh, in this, and I'm going to read this for you uh, just so that but, uh, here it is for the, you, those of you who are visual learners. He says, studying prayer can be a frustrating endeavor. While the Bible reveals no small amount of information about this great privilege, there are still questions that have puzzled great minds for millennia. Specifically, how does God answer prayer? What are the mechanics of it? How do we reconcile the sovereignty of God, the free will of man, and the role of prayer in bringing about positive change in our lives? I admit to being unable to answer these questions to my own satisfaction. But I've chosen not to let that bother me. I pray anyway. Even in the absence of detailed technical explanations with the inner working of prayer and providence, we can still pray with confidence. Isn't that what God gives us as a tool to pray, to offer to him the things that are so pressing and so concerning us for our lives and to have him to be able to handle it within his divine providential will and to work all things for our good, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. 
Consider what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. Paul just simply made this statement and said, For I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Speaking about him being in prison, speaking about him having to go and appear before Caesar and to give a testimony of the gospel. What I can know, even though I don't know the inner workings of prayer, is this. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer absolutely makes a difference. How we, uh, the question is, how can we strengthen and help our dependence in prayer? Here are six tools that I'm going to give you, to, and I want them to be exceedingly practical for you. You might jot them down on a sheet of paper or on a sermon outline sheet if you've got it, and I hope this helps improve your prayer life here in this year to come. Number one, tool number one, practice. Practice makes perfect, even though none of us prays perfect prayers. A better saying is practice is going to make permanent. You want to develop a more healthy trust in God in 2021. You want to develop a more consistent prayer life. Practice is going to make permanent. The habits that you've chosen and the habits that you've established over a period of years have been that way because you've done them over and over and over and over. That's what makes a habit. To make a prayer habit, you have got to instill the, the, the tool of practice in order to make it a reality. Consider just for a few moments the fact that it is commanded. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We have an obligation to offer to God prayer to him. Notice, number two, that it doesn't necessarily need to be lengthy in order to be effective. There's no set amount of words that God is going to hear or God's not going to hear if it's not long enough or it's not wordy enough or if you don't uh, use the right phrases, if you don't use the thee and thous. I had a minister one time tell me if you don't pray in good King James English, God's not going to accept the prayer because it's irreverent to not use that. I thought, oh my. But anyway, I wonder what they did before King James language. Anyway, but you understand that it doesn't need to be lengthy in order to be effective. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was skilled at seamlessly weaving short, terse prayers in, in his daily life and his daily affairs. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. That's a great prayer to pray. Nehemiah 5, verse 19. In fact, it's the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he said, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions like the heathens do. Why do they do that? He says, because they think that they're going to be heard for their many words. Prayer doesn't need to have... The these and thou's prayer doesn't need to have a lot of words in order for it to be effective. But notice also, it's just simply a matter of trusting God, learning to trust in God, and learning to turn to God, not just in the easy things, not just in the hard things, but in everything. In everything with prayer and supplication, Philippians 4, 6. But Jesus mentions that specifically the things that are, you're worried about. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. We have got to practice. We have got to be people who are praying on a regular. Number, tool number two. Pattern. Tool number two, pattern. Take your Bible, and this would be a great Bible study to do this week. Study the prayer life of great Bible characters like Paul like Nehemiah, as we mentioned just a moment ago, like David, 
like Daniel, like Jesus. And as you're studying about that, make a mental list or maybe write down physically on a sheet of paper the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, the how of why they're praying or where they're praying or what they're praying about and the types of things that they're doing. Because as you're going to see within all of these characters, there are themes, there are a, uh, there's a common thread of trust, there's an understanding that the things that they're lifting up, they're lifting up because they want to share those things with God and they're concerned about those things. You know, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray while you're driving. Pray while you're cooking. Pray while you're working. Withdraw, meditate, reflect, worship Him. You see, what Paul read for us just a few moments ago teaches us that prayer is really a learned behavior. Jesus had his disciples come and say, teacher, teach us to pray. There's nobody that's an expert at prayer save Jesus. And if we want to really understand how to pray and the types of things to pray for, study about prayer. Study about the elements of prayer, about how it works. I believe um, Eddie, uh, Eddie Parrish, whenever he was here, gave a, this, this acrostic. You may remember it. It's simple. You may have learned it from your youth. I don't know who this was original with, and otherwise I'd give him credit, but it's certainly not original with me. But this has been a pattern for helping people to fill the content of their prayer uh, over the years. Acts, A-C-T-S. What do I pray for? What's the pattern? What types of things can I pray for? First thing is adoration. Psalm 18, verse 3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. What do you appreciate about God? What do you love about God? What do you notice about God? What are the things that make God, God? Pray about his sovereignty. Pray about his glory. Pray about the things that we just sang in Kids Sing a little while ago. God highly exalted his servant Jesus and gave him a name which is above all, every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth, of those under the earth. Pray, adore him. Tell him how special he is to you. The C, confession. There are always, if we're looking, there are always things that we need to look at within our own lives and say, God, here's a black mark that I wish wasn't here. God, here's something that I'm not proud of. In fact, God, here's something that I'm ashamed of. God, here's some things that I need to repent of. God, I haven't been as careful with my tongue as I ought to be. God, I haven't been as careful with my eyes as I ought to be. God, I have looked at this person, I have lusted. God, I have spoken these words and I have sinned. God, please forgive me for these things. There's a humility there in confessing the things that are Troubling your heart, things that would keep you from having that purity of heart like Jesus wants, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. That's the C. The T, remember Thanksgiving. What do you have in your life that you can th say, thank you, God? What do you have in your life where you can count your blessings, like we sang this morning with Joseph? What things in your life are you tremendously grateful for? Give those things and say, God, thank you for these because I know that every good gift comes down from you, James chapter 1, verse 17. The S, supplication. Fancy word for saying, what do you need? What things do you really need? I've quoted already Philippians chapter 4, and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication, asking for the things that you need, telling those things to God. 
We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. There is a pattern that we can follow, and there's a pattern that can give order and structure to our prayers. So it's not just like a, a kind of a meandering river, but more it's like a, a rifle shooting with a point. Number three, posture. Posture. What's the standard posture that we teach our kids? When we pray, we fold our hands, we bow our heads, and we close our eyes. And yet I find, the older I get, the more that bowing can become nodding. Isn't that true? You go and you look at the prayer postures within Scripture. And the standard postures may be that, to bow our heads, to close our eyes. But do you realize that's only maybe one of many prayer postures that are offered in Scripture? If you look, there are some who sat, like Elijah, whenever he was fleeing from Ahab, he fled out in the wilderness, he sat down onto the broom tree, and he prayed to God, Oh God, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. You remember that David, whenever he was uh, praying, uh, asking God for the life of his little boy, the one that uh, had come out of that, uh, that illicit relationship with him and Bathsheba there in 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel 11, 2 Samuel 12, it says that David laid down, face down on the ground. That's a prayer posture. Anybody ever prayed like that? What about Jesus? You remember that Jesus, his favorite prayer posture was he would go and he would kneel down and he would turn his eyes up and look towards heaven. When we study and talk about prayer postures within our own private prayer lives, there are a number that may be helpful for us in order to help improve our prayer life. Finding something that works for you. If you find that you nod off sometimes whenever you're uh, laying there in bed saying your prayers at night, why don't you get out of bed, kneel by your bed, and see if that doesn't help. See if that might give you a different perspective, so to speak, so that that can really help you to understand the way that, uh, or help you in, in offering prayers and not, uh, not nodding off or not, uh, not going to sleep. Number four, planning. Planning. Jesus always had time to pray, but Jesus also made time to pray. And you find just within the book of Mark, if you want to do a study of this, Look at how many times that Jesus was surrounded by people and Jesus took those opportunities to withdraw himself into the wilderness or go up on a mountain so he could have some alone time with God. Anybody else's phone ring a whole lot during the day? Anybody else feel like it's going from one activity to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and feel busy all day long and then go get to the end of the day and say, I didn't spend any time in prayer? Why don't? In the information age and the technology age that we're in, why don't you take your phone and set prayer alarms throughout the day? Maybe once an hour, maybe once every two hours. This is really up to you. Pray without ceasing. You want to have regular set times where you might be able to go into the throne room of God and take whatever's bothering you or whatever's uh, uh, concerning you that, that hour and give that to God and trust him with that and talk to him about that. Take the opportunity and take the technology that I know that most everybody has in their pocket this evening and use that to help develop a stronger prayer life in 2021. You know, Daniel made a habit of praying three times a day, so much so that his enemies knew that that was the one thing that they could count on, the one thing that they could use against Daniel because he was so consistent with his prayer life, they said, this is the only way that we're going to be able to get this guy. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. 
For somebody wanting to improve his prayer life, set an alarm, retreat away from the daily grind. Take one of those opportunities where you have a lunch break and just go out and sit in your car and just pray to God. Take regularly scheduled, meaningful time in talking to our Father in heaven. Number five, program. Program. Here's the question, what do I pray for? We've already dealt with this just a little bit in the Acts acrostic. What do I pray for? I would pray more, but I get there and, <laughs> I don't know, you ever have an awkward conversation with somebody where you're trying to think of something to say and, and you, there's nothing coming out, so you're just kind of sitting there staring at somebody going, all right, I hope this is Some people approach prayer like that and they just say, I don't really know what to pray for. Start with this question. You remember Jesus asking blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 and verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? If you want God to start the conversation, so to speak, and please understand, this is us talking to God. If you want a good prompt for what's concerning you in your heart and in your life, begin with the question of Jesus asking this man, what do you want me to do for you? What things are concerning in your life? What pressing concerns can God address? What weights in your life can God lighten? When you take the Bible, one of the best things to do, and I've mentioned this before in Bible classes, is be able to pray Scripture back to God. Psalm 61 is a great place to go when you feel the cares and the worries of this life overtaking you, overwhelming you. Pray Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. As a practical note, just for the program, I'm going to give, give you a little program. I've used Echo. It's a prayer app, and it allows you to keep a log, a digital log of all the prayer requests that you can think of during the day, and it will store those things. It's also got timers on there that you can set, and, and as you pray about those things, it's just got a little button that you'd press. So it brings up a prayer request that you mentioned. You tap on it whenever you've mentioned that or that you've uh, given that to God, and it moves on to the next one. Then it moves on to the next one. And it's really good for being able to do that, but I believe also it's got a space to where you can put answers to prayer. You can put opportunities where you've seen God uh, answer this prayer, maybe providentially, but it's something to think about and keep those tools for remembering throughout the day. Tool number six. Tool number six. Maybe one that you didn't think of. Fasting. Fasting. Fasting can really help focus our prayer in a very powerful way. There are a number of different rulers throughout the Old Testament history that proclaimed fasts for the people of God. And that fasting was especially looking for a special answer from God and humbling themselves nationally so that God would hear their prayer and answer. You remember Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast in all of Judah, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 and following. You remember that Esther chapter 4, before she went in and stand before the king, she told, her, or, uh, she told Mordecai to go out and to tell all the Jews in Shushan to go ahead and start fasting and praying for her so that she would go in and not have to, uh, not have to give her life. Remember Jesus, when he went out into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation, Matthew chapter 4 and verse Luke chapter 4, Jesus went fasting and praying. What fasting does is it gives a very special focus. It's a stopping of a daily function to uh, devote all attention to God. You know, we think about fasting with regard to food. Did you ever think about fasting from something else? 
Fasting from video games. Fasting from the computer. Turning off the computer so that you can devote special time to God. Fasting from turning on the TV. Fasting from lots of different activities that we do on a regular basis that we feel like we need to do in order to get our daily grind done. And it's turning those things off. It's staying away from those things for the purpose to say, God, I love you this much. God, I want you to hear my prayer and I want to demonstrate my devotion to you in a very special way. Now, food. It's a basic need. However, folks, we neglect the fact that prayer is also a basic need. Prayer is a basic need. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. When we abstain from food or really any regular activity for the sole purpose of drawing near to God, it's really something that helps put our priorities in perspective. You know, fasting is not so God gives more weight to those prayers, but rather prayer coupled with fasting is really a way to remind us God is ultimately in control. God is ultimately in control. Six tools to help improve your prayer life. The question is, will you utilize the tools that are given? Because all the knowledge in the world doesn't equal obedience. All the knowledge in the world doesn't equal us being spiritual giants. It's a matter of putting those things into practice that we know. Thank you for your attention this evening. Pray that God blesses you this week. I pray for opportunities for you to share your faith, to be able to shine the light of Christ, and to show somebody his glory. If there's anything that we can do for you this evening as we close, won't you make it known as we stand and sing our invitation song.